The Bears pushed back the start of OTAs. There has surprisingly been very little quarterback talk over the last week if you stayed off social media. Kind of like I have. I'm repping my Zach Levine Bulls jersey. Got the NBA playoffs going on. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Fireside Bears. We're getting a YouTube channel going now as well. As soon as I quit being lazy and get the graphics up for that. But you guys know me. My name's Usaid Kosh. I'm going to be your host. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok at Usaid Koshal. Follow my co-host AJ on Twitter at AJDesai4. Sam is at work tonight. AJ is going to be going to London next week, so I'll keep you guys updated on that. But we got my guy Rashab Sikri in the house, a.k.a. The Windy City Productions. You can follow him on Twitter at DWC Prods. How are we doing today, guys? Doing good, doing good. How about you guys? I'm doing fantastic, man. Um, yeah, just talk, ready to talk some bears. Oh yeah. That's what we do every single week. But before yeah. we get into the show, make sure you check out one of our sponsors, Audacia Sports. You can get your Justin Field stickers on there. Really cool stickers, guys, for your phone or for your laptop. I got my Alan Robinson one on the back of my iPhone 11 case. Check them out on Twitter at Audacia Sports. But guys, let's go ahead and let's get right into it because... News came out today for the first time in a year and a half. Basically, fans are back at Soldier Field. And Rashad, we'll start with you on this one. What do you make of this, man? Which games are you going to? Tell us. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I mean, obviously, not going to Bears games last year really sucked. I've been to a couple games. Uh, so, so I mean, in my time being a Bears fan. But uh, which games I'm looking forward to? I'd probably say uh, the one on Halloween. I think it was, yeah, I think it's Halloween against the 49ers. Um, that could be potentially Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. So if that's the case, I mean, I would be really excited to go to that one. Or really, you know, I, I mean, any game with Justin Fields starting, I would be down to go to. But I don't know. I, a lot of them are pretty exciting to me. What about what do you guys think? I mean, for me, like, uh, I'm actually going to the 49ers game. So I'm actually going to get tickets to that. Um, nice. Another game that I'm looking forward to is the Baltimore Ravens game. Obviously, you're going to see Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields go at it. If Justin Fields starts, I mean, like, I think by then he's going to be able to start. I mean, if he's not, then you can just shoot me in the face at that point. But, um, but yeah, Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, um, two, um, two other games. Um, uh, give me Cincinnati. Um, I want to see how Joe Burrow does, um, but I think that's going to be a little earlier in the season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and also um, uh, up there in Cleveland. Um, with Baker Mayfield, if um, if Justin Fields is playing that game, that's going to be a shootout. If we can if we can have him on the field, so those are my games to watch. I'm looking at three games specifically, and they're ones at home. Look, that Cincinnati game, AJ, like you mentioned, is super interesting. Give me Week Six against Green Bay, though. I think definitely by that time. Justin Fields is going to be starting the October 31st, that Halloween game against the 49ers. That one intrigues me too. Cause the last time the bears played on Halloween was Jordan Howard's, I think second or third start on Monday night football against the Vikings where he ran for 111 yards. And there's like 110 days to go till the bears kick the season off against the Rams. Also, 
Baltimore, that's a really interesting game. But then also December 5th against Arizona. I feel like when we look at the second half of the schedule, because the Bears are going to be finishing off the season against seven or eight straight NFC teams from week 12 to 18. Those are all teams outside of the Lions that could possibly be in the playoffs. So really that stretch right there. I mean, Arizona, you're seeing Minnesota twice, Seattle, Green Bay once. The Giants, I'm looking forward to that Arizona game because Arizona, if you look at the moves that they made this year, what did they do? They added AJ Green, they added JJ Watt as well. Those are two moves that you make when you think you're a team that's ready to contend for a Super Bowl. And then they have Kyler Murray, who is one of the best young, dynamic, up and coming quarterbacks in the game. And I thought Murray's jump from 2019 to 2020, we saw it, but there's going to be a bigger jump from 2020 to 2021 simply because you have a full offseason. So, yeah, the Bears have a tough schedule, but there's no reason they can't hang with any of these teams. But these home games, especially during the second half of the season, are going to be rocking once Justin Fields gets to play. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah like you said, I also didn't I didn't bring up the Ravens game. That's gonna be a really exciting one because you got two, you know, really dynamic, exciting athletes, right? A quarterback. And you're gonna see that with a lot of you know quarterbacks we play this year. It's gonna be dynamic athletes like Kyler Murray, you know, Lamar Jackson and just et cetera. And that, that's gonna be really fun to watch, especially with you know, athlete that we have ourselves too. Yeah, but like uh you said you meant you bring up a great point. The Arizona game, they added a lot of a lot of good playmakers on that team. AJ Green, I think, you know, I remember AJ Green on the bench um, talking to his offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, just like, uh, just saying, trade me. I guess, and I guess he got his dream. And you know, despite not playing with Joe Burrow, I think you know the whole thing with Joe Burrow and his success it depends on up front. And I don't think how that's going to give A.J. Green another chance in Cincinnati. So he just moved on to Arizona. I mean, obviously, Kyler Murray, you have DeAndre Hopkins over there and A.J. Green, Isabella, and all those guys, right? Uh, I think A.J. Green finds his way. Uh, that's just going to be another tough game for the Bears. The Bears, I think, have the first or second hardest schedule of the season this year. So um, a lot of good games, and a lot of talented players, too, that will we'll come across as well. Especially these wide receivers that we're going to be playing. Yeah, there. If you look at that schedule, I mean, just look at some of the wide receivers that are coming to Soldier Field in 2021. So you have Jamar Chase, and then well, the Lions don't really have any wide receivers because they lost Kenny Galladay. But you're probably going to get Devontae Adams. The 49ers don't have like an alpha at wide receiver, but they have a collection of good guys, mainly Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. I mean, the Ravens just added, I think it was Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman in the draft. The Cardinals, we mentioned, might just have one of the top wide receiver cores in football if A.J. Green's healthy with Hopkins, A.J. Yeah. Green. Then you have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson coming. And then the Giants added Kadarius Tony as well as Kenny Galladay this offseason. So the Bears statistically they have the third hardest schedule but there's a lot of good games but kind of moving on from that here another thing to keep in mind is that there's players all across the board every single year that have something to prove and aj i'm gonna start with you on this one but dude give me one player that needs to prove something when it comes to 2021 um, I think a lot of people have this guy in his mind. I mean, it, I think it's a battle between obviously Anthony Miller and Eddie Jackson right now. I mean, Eddie Jackson. Um, can I can I say two? I'm gonna go ahead and say two, and I'm gonna make it really quick. Um, Eddie Jackson, I think for the last two years has taken a step back 
at the safety position. Um, obviously, uh, he's he's not being the whole targeted thing. I mean, like you know, I could buy that a little bit. He's a, he's a dangerous safety and all that, so you don't want to get picked off. And I can I can see that. But like you know, there were some visible areas. I think if I remember correctly, Danny Trevathan was left left um, on a wide open tight end um, against Green Bay last season. So that can't happen. I don't know where Eddie Jackson was that was there. And the other player that I had, and Grisha, you can chime in if you um, have these two players on your list uh, is Anthony Miller. Obviously, you know, I'm a, I was a big fan of Anthony Miller coming out of coming out of Memphis, had a great rookie year, uh, had some issues with his shoulder injury in 2019, uh, was still optimistic on him. And then 2020 came around. It was like, okay, the drops, his shoulders, nothing's getting better, his on-field tantrums and all of that. So um, Bears and Bears fans were just were just thinking that like maybe his tenure as a Chicago Bear might be over, and then in comes Justin Fields. Maybe this, maybe Justin Fields can help him um, get a prove-it deal here in Chicago after his fourth year or a two-year deal or maybe even a three-year deal because I don't want to see Anthony Miller go away and perform better against us if they have a better quarterback. Now we have a better quarterback. Now it's just time to see what we can do with our wide receivers because it's going to be a hell of a lot better than the last four years. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, especially with Anthony Miller. He would definitely be on my list. I mean, we saw him the last two years really take a huge step because after his rookie year, I remember a lot of people, including me, being really, really excited about his future in Chicago. I mean, his first year, he had not similar, I, I think somewhat similar to Darnell Mooney's numbers, that like what he had last year. Like I think the touchdowns were a lot more, but his yards were a little bit less, something like that. But he had a really good rookie season. And then, obviously, 2019, he struggled a lot with drops, um, injuries as well. So, yeah, Anthony Miller, I mean, now he doesn't have a quarterback excuse anymore. We're going to have a probably probably a good quarterback in Justin Fields. So, yeah, Miller for sure is one. I would also say Danny Trevathan to some extent because I feel like he's been a decent linebacker for us the past two years, but now he's getting up there in age. And if he wants to continue being the number two option besides Roquan Smith, he's going to sh- have to show us that he can still be that for us in the future, right? He's getting older. He's, what, 31, 32 now, struggling a little bit with injuries. So if Danny Trevathan can step up and be a solid option for us next to Roquan Smith in the middle of our defense, that could make our defense a lot more, you know, better for next year. Because you saw last year, especially, it wasn't that dominant defense we saw in 2018. So I would also say Danny Trevathan. Give me Robert Quinn. And those guys you mentioned were great examples. Trevathan obviously had 113 tackles last year, which I think was like the second most in his career. And he's never all Trevathan's also been here for what, five or six years now, but he's only played really one, one or two full seasons in 2018 was the second or the first full season that he played in a bears uniform. Anthony Miller, you guys are right. The bears have brought in so much competition and it's not even about the competition they brought in. They brought in guys like Marquise Goodwin, Goodwin and bird specifically players that are slot receivers to continue to push Anthony Miller. And then you have these other guys like Javon Wims and Riley Ridley. I mentioned the name a moment ago, the one guy that has so much to prove for the Bears in 2021 is Robert Quinn. You look at last season, it was an absolute disappointment. I mean, Quinn had, what, 20 tackles, two sacks. That's not very good for a play that's going to be making 14 or $15 million this year. And when we look at the way that the NFL market is going for edge rushers, Khalil Mack reset it four years ago at $26 million a year. But you see a lot of these tier two pass rushers, these guys that are kind of the Robin to 
a player's Batman on any team in the league. They're making 15, 16, 17 million dollars a year. And that's what Robert Quinn's making as well. And I think when you look at Quinn overall, he needs to come out and he needs to prove that last offseason was two things. Last season was two things. Last season was one, the foot injury. And number two, the lack of an actual offseason that really hurt him. Because when you look at it, the Bears can save, I think, like $12.1 million in cap space with like a $3.2 million dead cap hit if they cut him post June 1st. And so we could be a year away from cutting Robert Quinn, or we could possibly be a year away from keeping him on the team. But his leash is really short because when you look at some of the depth behind him, I taught you, you have Charles Stone, who a lot of people think is Leonard Floyd 2.0, which Sean decides wants versatility in this defense, as well as Travis Gibson. I think that Robert Quinn is on a short leash, but he's the one guy that's got the most to prove. Yeah, absolutely. You said I agree with that. I mean, you know, aside from Danny, uh, well, no, sorry, not Danny Sherman. Aside from Eddie Jackson and Anthony Miller that I had earlier, uh, definitely Danny Trevathan is a guy that you look at who used to be a leader of this defense in that 2018 season. I just want him to get back, you know. I mean, I, I know, like, I don't want to use the term the fans are too hard on him or anything. You know, he has – he's had his injuries, fair share of injuries here in Chicago. I think in 2017 he had the pec injury, I think. He tore it. And then he had another injury this year. So, I mean, he's definitely racking up all those injuries. Um but here's the deal. If Danny Trevathan could play, give me like 14 or 15 games healthy for the Chicago Bears defense, it's going to give Roquan Smith um, a lot of a lot of help um, on his blitz and stuff. So, um, you know, just just to be able to have that ability to have these players that took a step back um, last year to take that step forward uh, that they were – say like Robert Quinn, if he puts up those 2019 numbers again, you know, that's going to be really well, well going alongside with Mac, um, Khalil Mack. And if Danny Trevathan does the same thing that he did in 2018, staying healthy 16 games a season, the bears really well might, might make a deep run into the playoffs. So, I mean, you know, it all depends on staying healthy and providing results on the field. That's it. Um, but I just wanted to stress on this the last part that you say said about Robert Quinn, Sure, drop drop foot syndrome happens, and I'm sure it happens to a lot of other players in the league. Like not as majorly as as drop as Robert Quinn does, but you know you start to lose that feeling if you're a um, in the in like keep your hand down in the dirt, um, passing uh, rushing the pass rusher. Sorry, it was a it was a hard time constructing that sentence. But you know, as you're trying to get those starts and and, and you um, keep on doing that year in year out, game by game, you're gonna lose feeling in your feet. Um, it's a syndrome. It's not something that he's losing feeling in his foot, like his muscle is gone or anything. I'm no doctor, but that that's what a syndrome is. Like it just happens, and then you just have to deal with it. And there are ways that you can overcome that too, as well. I mean, Justin Fields, he has Tourette syndrome. I mean, he's overcoming it by staying quiet. So there's no reason why Robert Quinn can't put his hand into the ground and just bull rush someone. Like, I mean, didn't Robert Mathis do it like for four or five years after transforming into a 4-3 defensive end? No reason why Robert Mathis can't do it. I get it that this syndrome is serious, but come on, man. I mean, we gave you $15 million a year and you, and you didn't play at least 60% of the games this season. I mean, by snap count, 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, totally agree about Robert Quinn. Another thing I want to add, I'm um, one player that I feel like, I mean, he obviously had a good last few years, Khalil Mack. He, I mean, if you look at the statute though, like based on like sacks and all, you're not seeing that same production, right, that you saw in 2018. So even though he was a fantastic player the last two seasons, right, I would like to see more sacks from him, maybe like 10, 11, 12 plus sacks, which I know that depends a lot more on how everybody else in the line is playing. So if Robert Quinn is playing better, if you know, get more production from a guy like Eddie Goldman coming back, then maybe we could see Khalil Mack have the same sack numbers. But he's getting paid a lot of money next year, and we need to see more production from him as well. Max, interesting because Pro Football Focus labeled him, I think, one of yeah. the best, or if not the best, yeah, edge rusher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, in the NFL, which some of PFF stats are warranted because they do have an extensive process when it comes to grading. But right. I think you mentioned Eddie Goldman. Eddie Goldman is interesting for me because I feel like this is a prove-it year for him too because he didn't play in 2020, opted out because of COVID and the BMI and the health issues, all that. But he's ready to be back, and the Bears are definitely excited. I think when you look at the Bears defense as a unit last year one of the reasons the front seven kind of took a step back is because akeem hicks is getting older i love akeem hicks fan favorite i have the guy's jersey somewhere upstairs in my closet but the reality is akeem hicks has not been the same since that elbow injury that he got against the raiders in 2019 and so now you have eddie goldman back which you hope is going to free Akeem Hicks up, which also means that if it frees Akeem Hicks up, because Goldman's eating a lot of those double teams, you're going to have Bilal Nichols on the other side, and then that hopefully will allow Khalil Mack to continue to get after the quarterback. And so, for me, I think that Khalil Mack this year, he's finally going to have a double-digit sack year, because he's gotten close to that double-digit number the last couple of years, but he has not been as good. And we've seen that when Khalil Mack's fully healthy, because the last two years he did battle injury, when fully healthy, Mac is one of the best pass rushers in the game. Now, what it's going to depend on this year, I honestly think, is two things. One, health, as well as number two, can Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, put him in a situation where you're bringing out the absolute aggressiveness in Khalil Mack? Because we saw Vic Fangio do that, and then that resulted in the 2018 Bears defense. And Desai sounds like a player... I'm sorry, your coordinator who's really smart and who's ready to go and is going to maximize the talent of the Bears defense. Yeah, I mean, definitely for me, for Khalil Mack, he's one of my best players in the NFL, actually the whole league. Um, loved him coming out of Buffalo. This guy used to kill people out there in the Mac, um, watching him back in there. But anyways, you know, I think, you know, with Eddie Goldman coming back and you added guys like Jeremiah Adetachu, I think it's how you pronounce it. Bilal Nichols is going to take that step forward. And if we can see if Travis Gibson can have something, you know, just have that rotation of these guys that can actually, you know, push the pocket that can get through the A or B gap um, on the offensive line and just, just create havoc. You know, I mean, like we have these players, I mean, like we can try to create something that what the Seattle Seahawks did back in 2013, they got all those undrafted guys and what did they do? They created havoc on the defensive side of the football. And, you know, with Charles Snowden, you know, I think that guy could like be a terrific pass rusher, you know, um, like you said, and I've been saying this, like, and I'll, I'll just take his take his fact on this is that I think he's like more like Leonard Floyd 2.0. That motor is doesn't stop; he just keeps on going and going and going. Like, you know, that's the guy that you want next to uh, 
next to Khalil Mack or even Robert Quinn, or if Robert Quinn needs a breather, that you can just throw him in on a situational third down and 17 where you know you could give up 17 yards, but if you get like a play where he's involved in it and maybe if he gets a, gets a sack, it's even better for him. So, I mean, you know, we have all these players and it's just put up or shut up time. I mean, you know, let's – we got this defensive coordinator that's been on our staff and been on this team organization from, I think, 2013. Um, he comes from college, college by degree and all of that. He knows football pretty well. And, you know, he's he's the longest guy here, aside from Chris Tabor, tenure-wise, um, to be within the organization through three um, changes. So he's doing something right that he's been able to stay on this team. Um, from defensive quality controller to safeties coach to defensive um, coordinator. So he's doing something right. So kudos to him. Let's talk cornerbacks, guys, sticking here with the defense because you move on from Kyle Fuller this offseason. Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune drops the little nuggets that the Bears are interested in Bashad Breland. Now, here's a quick disclaimer for those of you guys that didn't know Breland's a free agent. He's only a free agent because teams made so many veteran cuts this year because of COVID. What has happened is... Teams are at a point where there's still a number of good veteran starters out there that are available, but let's just say the Bears bring in Breland. It's going to be, he would automatically be the new cornerback too, because Jalen Johnson, who we'll get to in a couple minutes here, is going to be your cornerback one, but Breland would be your cornerback too, even though a lot of people thought it would be Desmond Trufant. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Desmond Trufani definitely struggled a lot with injuries last year, right? I mean, with the Lions, he only played in a handful of games, and the games he even played in, he wasn't that good in those games. And a lot of that can be credited to how bad the you know Lions' defensive scheme was with Matt Patricia. Like, they could not stop anybody there. But you also look at him himself. I mean, he wasn't a good player, didn't fit the scheme, couldn't stay healthy. So, if I mean, if, if Trufani is healthy, I think he could be a decent option because back with the Falcons, couple years ago he was a pretty decent cornerback i would say average maybe a little bit above average some years so if he's healthy that'd be a nice option but yeah breland i mean he's been in the league for a long time now i don't remember exactly how many years but he's been in there since you know 2015 2016 at least and been a decent corner a lot of different places he's been at so i mean at the very least he's going to be depth and if he can earn a starting job that would be even better because he's probably not going to be paid that much money so i mean i'd be a big fan of signing him yeah, I mean, definitely. Brashad Breland is a guy that I wanted a couple years, too, on this team to pair up with Kyle Fuller, and then we got Jalen Johnson a year or two later. But um, – or I think it was a, two years ago. Yeah, then he signed with the Chiefs. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think he or Steven Nelson could be really good options to this team. I'm not as sold on Desmond Trufant. Um, he left Atlanta, got a big payday in Detroit. I think it was a two-year deal two-year, $21 million deal. Um, he got the first year. Uh, and then the second deal, he was cut. Uh, he got hurt in Detroit. I think he only played like six games or something like that. And that's what I'm worried about, that like if he can't stay healthy, uh, who is our guy? Who is the guy that can step up? I mean, you know, I think our cornerbacks are really, really, really um, – I think they're a liability. I mean, like, not so much, like, I mean, they are promising. Like, I, I think Jalen Johnson is rookie year. He could make that next step. But, like, you know, I think they're just, they're just like, very 
very shaky right now. I think they, if you add Brashard Breland or Steven Nelson, it would make me feel better. But if, if Desmond Trufant goes down with a hamstring injury, you can't count on Kendall Vildor to make these stops against wide receiver twos. And like they'll, these other teams will show different looks and stuff where um, they're attracting actually the second quarterback and throw the wide receiver number one against Vildor and you can't really expect him to make that, um, make that coverage skill. So, I mean, like, you know, if you if you bring in a guy like Steven Nelson or Breland, like I said earlier, it could really help this defense. I mean, you know, I mean, those are really uh, – I'm surprised that those two guys are on the market. I mean, given Brashard, uh, um, Brashard Breland's situation um, with playing with three teams in seven years, I mean, I don't know – I don't know why that why why that may be the case, but you know, I mean, it does take a toll on how much you can get paid for. So, I mean, if it can be had between four or five million, I would pull the trigger on that. I mean, because I don't, I, I'm a firm believer in like the Bears are going to create some cap here um, in the summer during during training camp and all that just to uh, level out the roster defensively and offensively. They are going to create some cap. Because speaking of which. Next week, Tuesday, June 1st, Charles Leno Jr.'s contract comes off the books, which means the Bears are going to be able to sign their entire draft class. But I think you mentioned Steven Nelson, AJ. That's a really good point because it was actually reported, I think, that Nelson had offers from 14 teams, and the Bears were one of the 14 teams mentioned. Now, I think... There's been no update on that, and the next update we get, we hope, is going to be that Nelson signing with some team. But when you ultimately look at it, this could also indicate that the Bears are moving on from Steven Nelson, knowing that they're probably not getting him, and saying Breland is a solid number two option for the veteran cornerbacks in free agency right now. You look at his career, I mean, just look at some of the advanced stats. He's only allowed 50% of his passes to be completed, which again is never going to be a lockdown number. Breland's not a lockdown corner, but for a team that's just looking for bodies at the position at this point, Breland would actually make a lot of sense for the bears. And then you look at just his extensive start history. I mean, he started, I think like 94 something games. He's been relatively healthy. Obviously only started 11 games on the right side for Kansas city's defense last year. Missed, all of 20, half of 2018, basically starting in just five games, played in about seven games. But hey, he's been relatively healthy. Ultimately, Breland is not the worst option in the world for the Bears. He's certainly not the best option either. But looking at the state of the cornerback room right now, Trufant, an injured vet that you only committed $1 million to, which just shows he's only here for depth and veteran experience and to push some of these younger guys. Thomas Graham Jr., Kendall Vildor, who Sean Desai loves for some reason. Jalen Johnson as well. Then you have all these other unproven commodities like Trey Roberson, Michael Bush. You have Tease Tabor. You have Artie Burns as well, who's a former first-round pick for the Steelers. Burns had a really good rookie season, completely fell off afterwards, and just had a rough final 2019 season in Pittsburgh. But ultimately, you look at it, Breland would make a lot of sense, but his price tag, I think, is only going to be like 3 or $4 million because typically – Guys that sign going into the summer, they sign for way, way, way cheaper than expected. Yeah, I totally agree. And like you said, I mean, after the Charles Leno cut, we're going to have, what, eight, nine million extra dollars. And obviously, that some of that is going to go towards signing the rookies. But if you do have an extra four or five million, you know, why not get another cornerback? Because like you guys said, I mean, there's nothing is really set in stone right now. Behind Jalen Johnson, we don't really know who's going to be number two, number three. 
um, who's going to be in the slot. So, yeah, just as many guys as you can add at this point, like as many reliable starters as there have been in the league, just add as many as you can because you don't know what, what's going to happen uh, come week one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, you know, there was this signing a couple of years ago that the Cleveland Browns didn't believe in. There was Joe Hayden. I mean, he was a top 10 pick. I mean, granted, he did sign his $57 million deal a couple of years into his uh, rookie year, but he really just fell off. And then, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers gave him three years for 27 or $26 million. And I was like, oh, hey, come over here. We'll give you half of what you got um, or similar to what you got in Cleveland. Just show us what you can do. And he did. I mean, like, you know, I'm not saying that, like, go out and go give Breland nine or $10 million. I mean, we can't afford it, but um, just, you know, I mean, try. I mean, like, he, he had a good season, I think, like, correct me if I'm wrong, out there in Kansas City. So um, if you if you look at the numbers, like, I don't know if someone, someone's got the numbers um, in front of them, but um, I thought he played well. I, I don't think he was out. Uh, I don't think he opted out because of COVID, but I don't. I mean, he played 88 games in seven years, so it's pretty damn darn close that he's only missed like seven or six games in a season. The whole Breland thing, hopefully we have an update over the next couple of days. But, hey, the Bears are actually going to be heading back to Hallis Hall for OTAs. Before we get into that, guys, I have to ask you, before we move on to our next topic here, I totally screwed that transition up. But breakout season for Jalen Johnson coming in 2021 or what, Rashab? I'm down for it, man. I mean, it's going to be tough because he hasn't been handling the number one corner duties yet. Um, obviously, in the NFL, that was really Kyle Fuller's role. And obviously, Kyle Fuller is gone. So, Jalen Johnson moving over to the number one spot, getting tougher responsibilities, getting matched up against tougher receivers. It's going to be a tough challenge for him. I mean, even, even though he was pretty good last year, I mean, you saw he had won the highest, I think, force incompletions in the NFL among all the cornerbacks. Um, he was pretty reliable in coverage for the most part, had a few slip-ups. So, it's going to be... A, t- a tough transition, in my opinion, but he does have all the physical tools and he does have the knowledge too. So if he can make, you know, I, I don't, I don't expect him to be like a shutdown corner right away. But if it, if by like, you know, week eight, week ten, week eleven, he's getting a little bit better, getting the hang of it, then I would consider that a, a, you know, a successful season. So I think he's capable of it. It remains to be seen if he can actually do it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I hope he does it. Um, I just think that he's a solid number two, a very good number two in this league. But obviously, you know, we've seen we've seen um, crazy things in the NFL. I mean, uh, we see the guy out in um out in what's his name? Uh, it's a really good name, but he he stepped up in San Francisco, um, right next to Richard Sherman when Richard Sherman got hurt. You know, if if he can have a success story like that, like if he can step up as a, a pure number one. Because that's what I think Richard Sherman was before he got hurt out in San Francisco. And then an, a young buck came in and he filled his shoes pretty quickly. So, um, I mean, anything can happen in the NFL. And I'm here for it. I mean, um, Jalen Johnson had a career of his life at Utah. Had a good rookie season, a couple of injuries. Um, you know, maybe maybe just moving to cornerback number one spot just has a chip on his shoulder. And he's like, yo, I'm not going to let anyone get by me. And like, maybe that's the case. I mean, maybe we have... Um, maybe we just, ha- maybe we just need to see it and then we can believe it from him. I think he can break out, but you have two things you have to look at here. Number one is just the question is, can he stay healthy? That shoulder injury killed him at Utah. Johnson should have been a first round pick in 2020, 
but slipped because of the shoulder injury because teams weren't able to get the full medical evaluations because that's when COVID started. But what sticks out to me here is this, is that, all right, so only a lot 44 completions last year, which honestly is not bad. But when you look at those completions, a lot of them were on these bigger chunk plays. So that for Johnson, it was about 16 yards per completion that he allowed last year, which means that on those shorter routes, he typically does tend to break the passes up and just bat them down. But the biggest glaring thing that sticks out to me, and this has got to be something that Johnson fixes, is the guy had a missed tackle rate of like 20% last year. You as a good cornerback in the NFL can't be missing one in five tackles like that. That's not good. That's really, really bad right there because it just showcases that as a corner, you are unable to bring guys down in space. And so Johnson, the potential is there, but he needs to stay healthy. He's got really long arms. He's pretty much got a perfect skill set to step up and be a cornerback one. It's just, is he going to be consistent with it? And I think that when you look at the coaching staff right now, Desai, a guy who has a background with defensive backs, another player, Deshea Townsend, who played in the Steelers secondary throughout the early 2000s. That's another smart guy. I think Deshea Townsend, being one of the defensive back coaches, he's going to help get the best out of Johnson. But then also, I would not be surprised to see the scheme be run in such a way where you're seeing a lot of two high safeties, some cover two as well, to kind of protect these younger cornerbacks because none of them are at a point right now where you can kind of leave them on an island and let them do their own thing. No, and you're right. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Sorry, Rashad. Oh, no, you're good. Um, Yeah, I was just kind of agreeing with what uh, Yusad said there. I mean, yeah, we're going to have to give some help to our cornerbacks because obviously, like you said, a lot of them are young. Jalen Johnson, he's only 22 years of age right now. The rest of the guys we have back there, too, they're not really proven options. I mean, Kendall Builder, like, are you going to trust him to be on a number two receiver? I don't know about that. And everybody else we have, too. Like, unless we sign somebody like Prashan Breland, like like you mentioned, or, you know, if – um. If Desmond Trufant stays healthy, then maybe those guys could step up a little bit. But, yeah, we don't have a lot of experience in the secondary right now at cornerback. So as much help as you can give them, as Desai can give them in, you know, disguising his coverages, all that stuff, that would definitely be helpful to have them, you know, um, have the most success. No, yeah, definitely. I just think that, like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, he's a good CB2. He's a very good CB2. I just think, you know, like you said, mentioned the, the injuries – and if he keeps it as um, keeps it at a limit, then maybe we could see something um, out of Jalen Johnson, like a, like a cornerback potential. But like other than that, if he can't stay away from the injuries and he's missing those tackles and he's allowing big chunk plays, then really it's going to look like. Uh, do you guys remember when we had uh, that terrible defense back in 2013 and 2014, where cornerbacks or wide receivers just blew past our cornerbacks? Oh, yeah. That that really easily could be like if one of our guys get hurt, because then you're putting stress on the safeties to to cover those plays. So, and that's why Chris Conti sucked. That's why Major Wright sucked back then. So, um, you just have to stay healthy. If you can't stay healthy, then it's going to be a problem. Desmond Trufant and uh, Jalen Johnson. Dude, that twenty third, that twenty fourteen team, that blowout against Lambeau Field, that was the one game, and I don't mean to bring this back, but that was the one game where they were playing three different defenses. You had guys playing man to man, you had some guys in zone, and then you had some guys just flying around doing whatever. But we're past that, going on to 
it's going to be the eight-year anniversary of that game this year, but OTAs yeah. are coming up. OTAs are going to be interesting, guys, because everyone's going to be focused on quarterback here, and rightfully so, because anytime there is a rookie quarterback, that guy does get all the attention but in the bears case it's so glorified because like i said last week and when the bears drafted justin fields as well which by the way i tweeted they were going to draft fields four days before it actually happened i yeah, think when you look at i was spot on the money and i put it on snapchat last night i was like you got to know a thing or two to call the pick out four days before it actually happens because that fields <laughs> pick could alter franchise history forever otas are coming up outside of quarterbacks so Rashab, go ahead here. What are you watching? Tevin Jenkins, man. I mean, we <laughs> you saw the fan base getting super excited about this guy. This guy is also interacting with a lot of fans on Twitter. He's a fun guy, you know, around our age, too. He's like 21, 22 years old. So just seeing, you know, an actual a left tackle with actual potential in this league, right? A guy that, that could actually be a star tackle, not just a guy that's good enough or average or above average like Charles Leno was. A guy that could actually be you know, a top five, top six left tackle in the league someday. So seeing a guy like that, you know, for, you know, pr you know, protecting Justin Fields, because you saw our last quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, even though he had his own problems, he also sometimes didn't get the best protection with Charles Leno, Bobby Massey getting injured here and there. So, you know, seeing how Charles or seeing how, you know, uh, Tyvon Jenkins develops, right? If he's ready to start right away, like how he's going to be in his rookie year, that's going to be very, you know, I mean, it's going to be very crucial in the development of Justin Fields as well, because if he has the proper protection, that's obviously going to help him develop a lot, you know, a lot easier. So Tevin Jenkins is definitely one guy I'm keeping my eye on for um, OTAs. So for me, um, obviously, Tevin Jenkins is one of the guys that I'm looking at, but I'm looking at a guy. Um, I think Larry Barome is the guy that I'm looking at. I mean, I want to see how he competes with Jermaine Effetti in this training camp. I mean, I think – I really think these two guys are the same thing. I mean, there's not really a space – I mean, sure, NFL experience is that space between these two, but these two guys are mountains. Like, you talk about, like, Effetti being a former first-round pick uh, – Played in Seattle, then he came over to Chicago. He has that experience. Then you bring in Barone from Missouri. I think these two guys could be your RT1, uh, which is Effetti, and RT2, Barone. I think we're looking at a situation where um, Effetti may not be on a team next year and Barone takes over um, next year um, in 2022. Um, so th that's a guy I'm closely watching. I, I mean, like, he could be that that cornerstone R2 that we're looking for 2022 and beyond, because I think um, when you sign a Fetty to a deal, like a five year incentivized deal, it just shows that like, maybe you're going to go out and go get some help. And they did, they drafted some help and the bears do seem content on that side of the ball at RT. So I just, I want to see what the big man from Missouri does. I guess like some, some numbers that I saw on PFF, I guess he had the best run blocking grade. I think it was or pass blocking grade. I can't remember. Um, in the, um, in college football, but um, he's big, he's sturdy, he's I guess his hips move pretty fine as an offensive lineman, and um, just just hopefully just looking forward to see good things from him moving forward. Hopefully, he gets some snaps too in preseason. That's what I'll be looking for. I Fetty, I think this year is going to be Juan Castillo's very own reclamation project or just project because Castillo mentioned the guy's got God-given talent. It's my job to bring it out of him. The offensive line is interesting because I'll add this on because you guys brought up the offensive line. 
What's going to be interesting is that interior. How are you going to place? What are you going to manage there between James Daniel, Sam Mustafer, Cody Whitehair? And then you have Alex Bars that's kind of in the mix as well. But you also have Barome who can play right guard and right tackle. And guys who play tackle in college, sometimes they're just better suited to kick inside the guard. Now, for me, one of the big things I'm watching for is what does that running back rotation look like? Because prior to drafting Khalil Herbert, you could have easily seen a three-headed monster of Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, as well as Damian Williams. But now you have Khalil Herbert. You have Ryan Null. You have Artavius Pierce. Herbert, I think, is going to be a solely returner on special teams, which is totally fine because Tariq Cohen should not be back there returning punts. That running back rotation is going to be interesting. I think another non-quarterback thing to watch for is which one of these undrafted rookies emerges because the Bears had a handful of undrafted guys. I know I'm super high on Charles Snowden, the edge rusher from Virginia. Another player, though, I think would be someone like Gunnar Vogel who played college ball right here at Northwestern as well as on the defensive side of the ball. You have a number of defensive backs that the Bears have. I mean, I'm looking... At Thomas Graham Jr., who was a six-round pick, I'm looking at him specifically. What is he going to do? Because he could play safety, but could also play inside or outside as cornerback. And then the last guy's wide receiver, Daz Newsom. I mean, last year, Darnell Mooney, for those of us that were at Hallis Hall, he took off and he took off quickly. And it was very evident that the Bears had something special in Darnell Mooney during training camp last year. Is it going to be the same thing this year? That's going to be something to watch for. And then last thing for me from OTAs, I think what's up with the tight end situation? Because Zach Ertz is going to be cut next Tuesday, it looks like, June 1st. Do you keep Jimmy Graham around? Probably not, because Ertz is an upgrade from Jimmy Graham. But then how does Cole Komet fit into that? Because when you look at Cole Komet's season last year, I mean, he only had two drops, had 44 targets. I tweeted this out, and people were kind of split on the stat. But Komet wasn't bad last year, but he played 85% of the snaps over the last like seven or eight weeks of the season. So the question is this, is can Cole Komet take that next jump? Because again, there was one point where he was viewed as being the future at the tight end position for the Bears. And in this offense, you need to be an inline tight end, but you also got to be able to flex out and play in the slot if needed. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I would still argue Cole Komet could be the future at the tight end position because he's only 22 years old. And at this young of age i mean used to have a long time in the nfl most likely there's a lot of learning he has to do on um, there's certain things he's obviously not going to change like he's not going to become faster all of a sudden he's not going to be more athletic but what he is right now like you said a good blocker i mean he was a fantastic blocker last last season if he could be more of a receiving threat maybe run some different routes because his route tree also last year was pretty limited it was just like two or three kind of main routes he ran the entire season if he can expand on that a little bit that would be pretty good but I would still like to see us add more tight end because you can, I mean, you can also run like two or three tight end sets like a lot of teams, you know, in the NFL do. Like if you have Zach Ertz there next to Cole Clement, I think that could definitely work out if you can find the money. I mean, you saw Jimmy Graham in the red zone. He was pretty much our main option there. He had, what, eight, eight tight end or eight touchdowns, something like that. So I think two tight ends can definitely work in this offense, even if you want Cole Clement to be the, you know, the future of the tight end spot. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, as a Notre Dame fan and an alumni of Notre Dame, I'm I'm really, really high on Cole Komet. Um, you know, I just, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, he has a limited uh, limited route tree, but do do we really need him to be running 40, uh, 20, 35 yard, yard routes at the middle? I mean, we have 
decent wide receivers. I mean, you know, I mean, like we maybe like to like you know find middle spaces like um be, um beneath the linebackers and stuff and or in front of the linebackers if they drop back that much. But you know, but like the, the way that I see Cole Command, I saw it a lot at Notre Dame uh, a couple years ago, is that his best production comes from like the route that he runs. It's it's a it's a weird route. Like what Notre Dame does, they always put him in motion. They put him on the right, and then he runs this route. It goes up a couple yards, and then he just drags across the field. Like, that is – like, that is his it's, – it's called a tight end drag route, I guess. And he runs it to perfection. I thought, like, like if you can get a quarterback that can hit him – I mean, I don't think Ian Book was the guy. Uh, Notre Dame has never had a quarterback that really was that good since, like, Deshaun Kaiser and Brady Quinn. Everyone else has been – garbage i would say but you know now that chicago bears have justin fields you can ask cole Komet to take the next step i agree with you rishab i mean you know there's a lot of things that i'm certain about and i'm certain about cole Komet taking the next step i mean he has to i mean he's a second round pick i mean if he can't take the next second if he can't take the next second if he can't take that next second step then why didn't we draft antoine winfield jr this guy could be the next safety next to eddie jackson I mean, if you're not planning him to be the the main tight end in this offense and you're going to keep Jimmy Graham on it, then what was the point of drafting him? There was no point of drafting him. You just could have just gotten Antoine Winfield Jr. and be done with it. But, no, you got Cole Komet very high, and you had um, ambitions of him keeping him as the number one tight end, like you said, said earlier. And right now it just seems like if you have Jimmy Graham on the roster, maybe if he gets cut it might change, but he's not. He's not cut. So it's just like, who is the tight end of the Chicago Bears? Is it Jimmy Graham or is it Cole Komet? I mean, it's it's really fishy right now. And I, I mean, like, you, you have to give step-ups to your rookies. I mean, I thought Cole Komet last year in the last four games, thought he did enough to step up the next season. I mean, I don't know what the Bears are thinking in that, but that's just what I think. I think he's ready. Um, you have the quarterback to do so. The offensive line is building in the way that you need to. So, I mean, yeah, just go for it. I mean, bring back Demetrius Harris, bring back Jasper Horstead, get rid of Jimmy Graham's bum ass. I mean, like, I get it that he led the team in receptions and stuff, but damn, like, I want to see some young guys. I don't want to see a 34-year-old tight end and stuff. I mean, I get it. I understand red zone target, but doesn't he just doesn't do it for me. Like, I need electricity on this field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Graham's not really useful from 20 to 20. Like, in the red zone, yeah, he's, he's useful, but going down the field, he's not going to do anything for you, Can really. Can he make that 45-yard grab for us? No. Yeah. <laughs> Cole Komet has a chance to do that if you oh, yeah. develop a route tree. Yeah. So I think when we talk, because we've talked about some veteran free agents here, and Zach Ertz, again, looks like he's going to be released. I think ultimately what it's going to come down to is opportunity cost because you could sign Bashad Breland, but then do you really have enough money for a guy like Zach Ertz? Or you could sign Ertz, but then you're doing so at the expense of your cornerback room. It's just going to be what position do you legitimately value more? But I will say this regarding... One final thing here for the OTAs before we move on to our next segment. I mean, there's a lot of questions that are going on. One of the biggest questions is just going to be, hey, what are some of these rookies going to do? Because 
another rookie no one's talking about is Kyrus Tonga. And Tonga is very interesting because he's coming into a defensive line that did lose Urban and Roy Robertson-Harris. There is some depth there, but beyond Angelo Blackson, really what you have is... Nichols, Goldman, Hicks, Angelo Blackson, Mario Edwards Jr., and then a whole bunch of undrafted guys. Now, Tonga, I think, can be a player that eats up a lot of double teams. That's another name to keep an eye on for OTAs. But speaking of rookies and questions, I mean, what's one question, AJ, I'll go to you on this one first, that you guys have for these rookie classes they add into OTAs? It's going to be the first time that you have rookies and veterans together on the practice fields. So the question that I have for, uh, you know, the the rookies going up against the veterans in, in uh, obviously, uh, training camp, I think it is, or minicamp, right, minicamp. Um, I guess it's just like how their how their ability is to transition with the, with the guys that I already have. Um, you know, I think the guys that we got on the team already um, align pretty well. What, what we got, what we got in the draft. I mean, Daz Newsom, you're pairing it up with uh, Demir Bird. Um, you know, you got Tariq Cohen, which in basically you got another Tariq Cohen and Khalil Herbert. Um, you obviously got Justin Fields. You got your, um, you got your tackle, um, and then you got Larry Barome too as well. And then you got Tonga, like you mentioned, and then Thomas Graham, who's I have big, big hopes for. Hopefully, he gets the slot nickel. Um, corner spot but uh, anyways you know uh, the question that I have and I uh, and I mentioned it earlier a little bit it's just like how are these going to um, transition well with the team that we already have and the answer to that question is I think that, I think like you know this draft class I think it's like if not like one of the best ones that we had you know on paper talent wise you know if you look at the first two picks it's just like a plus a plus and then you go down to the fifth round um, you know, in that round, that tackle, I mean, maybe you give yourself a B or a C, but like, you know, the transition is my big question and how they're adapting to the, adapting to, um, the play calls, snap counts and all of that. Um, obviously how, how everyone's getting along, I guess, I mean, team spirit, team organization wise, I mean, there's not much, I mean, the class that we um, picked in this last draft i mean it aligns with our team pretty well in terms of speed and um in terms of what we want on offense and defense so yeah i would say the question for me is probably how fast can these guys actually you know contribute in the nfl like is it going to take them a couple years to you know get up to speed to like the playbook and like all that stuff or are they going to be able to contribute right away you look at a guy like justin fields for example can he come in their week one and steal that job from Andy Dalton because some people think he can, even though, you know, Matt Nagy said that as of right now, Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton's going to be a starter. Could he, like, in training camp, be the better quarterback by far and leave Matt Nagy with practically no choice and, you know, contribute right away? And, get, you know, I mean, can he even play at all this year? Like, there could be a chance that Andy Dalton just goes in there and starts the entire year. So, Justin Fields, you know, how, how fast is he going to be able to transition to the NFL? You see, you know, a guy like Tevin Jenkins, can he contribute? I mean, he's obviously going to be starting probably right away, but can he actually be a good tackle right away? Is Larry Borm going to contribute at all this year? Daz Newsom, what's his role going to be? Um, like you said, Tonga as well. He's kind of a developmental guy, but he, can he do something this year? Like, it's kind of, it's. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who can step up right away and provide us with something and who's going to be kind of development for the future. 
development is going to be interesting because this is the one draft class that I think we look back at and we say, number one, not only was it Ryan Pace's best draft class, both on paper and actually on the field, but it could also change the trajectory of the franchise. But the biggest question I have is, what is your offense going to look like? You have Andy Dalton, you have Justin Fields. You're going to have to be more conservative with Andy Dalton than you are in a lot of ways with Justin Fields, just because Justin Fields has shown that he can hit any sort of throw on the field. Andy Dalton, he's had a good run in the NFL, but it has not been great by any means. And so when you look at the offense, you have to kind of wonder what's it going to look like? Who's going to be where? Could we see something where we have Marquise Goodwin as well as Tariq Cohen and Darnell Mooney on one side with Allen Robinson on the other side in a three by one? Are you going to go empty set? what the offense is going to look like is going to be really key because let's be honest, we're going into year four of the Matt Nagy era and we're pretty much in the same boat that the bears were in when Nagy first got here four off seasons ago. There's not necessarily a vision on offense. The vision on offense has been held by, it has been held back because of good or because of mediocre quarterback play. But then you also know with a guy like Andy Dalton, you can't necessarily go past first like you did with Nick Foles just because Andy Dalton, you need to protect all his deficiencies. With Justin Fields, you're not going to fully be able to go past first either just because he is going to struggle somewhat in year one. There is going to be a bit of a learning curve, but Justin Fields is ready to go right now. It's just going to be a matter of when the Bears are going to play him. But really... What the offense looks like is going to give us a lot of indication as to what to expect going forward and possibly even when do we see Justin Fields play? I mean, for me, I want him to play week one, but that's it. I mean, like, there's no justification for me that Andy Dalton can start over Justin Fields right now. I mean, this guy, like you mentioned, you said you said it perfect, man. This guy can hit any throw that you can throw at him. I mean, you know, I just think it's going to come down to training camp or, like, even shit preseason i'm sorry like i promise to be professional on this podcast more i'm trying guys big apologies um it's just to me you're you picked one b in this draft the second best quarter i mean i can't say he's better than trevor lawrence trevor lawrence is a beast at trevor uh, at clemson right and then you look at the person who tore apart that clemson defense and, like, this person can look past his first read. He can scan the field. He can go through his progressions. Those three skills that Mr. Trubisky didn't have after being drafted second overall in 2017. Now we have a quarterback that we just drafted that contains all of those three skills. And not to mention pocket presence. This guy will take off if he's being rushed. Like, this, like I, I really think that the Bears, if they played it correctly, they got Lamar Jackson who can throw. Like you gotta, you gotta realize what you have right here. Like you have to, as Matt Nagy, you have to control this entire offense to Justin Fields' strengths, and I, which I believe he will, because this is Matt Nagy's guy. If you can't succeed in this NFL with Justin Fields, I don't know what to say. But like, I'm not even going to talk about that because I really think that we can. So I mean, just give me Justin Fields, Week One. Uh, even if it's week two, week three, that's fine. But like, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. If you just just start Justin Fields like the way that the San Diego Chargers started Justin Herbert week one, day one, I think it was, you know, you have an opportunity to to tailor an offense into the likings of Justin Fields. Now, from an organization standpoint, I know that Matt Nagy has said that, like, 
Andy Dalton is going to start, but like, you know, just like my man, you said in the boss man of this podcast is that, you know, I just think that Justin Fields is going to force Matt Nagy's hand. Like, I don't think Matt Nagy is going to have a choice come week three and week, uh, wait, week three or week two or preseason. Like he's going to ball out. Like the throws, the velocity, uh, the energy that this person's going to bring in Soldier Field that now that you're going to have fans coming back. I mean, it's, it's just a new chapter in Chicago. I, I don't see why not. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I mean, based on just what I've seen from him in college, and I, I wasn't even a big Ohio State fan, obviously. I, I'm a Illini fan, but just watching him, you know, in the college football playoffs especially, right, against Clemson, he had a broken rib or whatever, I think cracked rib or something, right? Still goes on the field, plays a game of his life against Trevor Lawrence and the college football, you know, semifinals in the playoffs and just wins that game somehow, just wills his team to victory. And if you see him, you know, perform that well on a stage that big, right? What? Why can he not do that in the NFL? Like, why can he not go there in Los Angeles week one on Sunday Night Football and, and play a similar game? Obviously, it's not going to be the same. And he has a big learning curve going from college to the NFL. And there's going to be guys like Aaron Donald on the other side, Jalen Ramsey, that could make his life pretty difficult. But I don't think he's scared of the moment, guys. Like, I know a lot of people out there kind of want to baby him, kind of want to say, oh, you're going to make him Mitch Trubisky 2.0. Okay, if you, if you throw him in there too fast, he's going to turn into Mitch. Well, I don't think Justin Fields is like that. He's way more confident. He's ready for the moment. He's played in big moments before. And I also want to say that, like, our team in general is a much better team than it was in 2017, right? In 2017, our number one receiver was Kendall Wright for the majority of the season. And we had yeah. John Fox, you know, a run-first type of offense. And bad, I mean, not bad defense, but not an elite defense with a lot of playmakers on it. We didn't have Khalil Mack back then. So I think overall our team is, you know, it's much more, you know, ready for a, a rookie quarterback to come in now than it was in 2017, which is why I feel like Justin Fields, if he goes in there week one, he could have a lot of success. It may be a rookie of the year season. So I, I would want him to start week one. I don't know what Matt Nagy is thinking. Honestly, I think Andy Dalton's going to be your week one starter. That's going to be kind of disappointing but AJ knows this pretty much whatever I say about the Bears ends up being 100% true anyway I also think when you look at with where the Bears are at I mean this just this entire rookie class in general you're going to see Justin Fields like start at some point everyone knows that he's not going to be on the bench for long but one thing I don't want to see Matt Nagy and the Bears do is just get really impatient and get impatient in the sense that you realize we're just going to force things. We're basically going to force Justin Fields to get in there. And I talked to an Ohio state reporter who actually watched Justin Fields up close throughout his time at Ohio state. And one of the big things he said was if there's anyone that's built for Chicago to play quarterback, it is Justin Fields. And it's a perfect match because you have a, Big time school that is consistently good every single year. They've never produced a franchise caliber quarterback in the NFL, but then you have a franchise that's never had a franchise caliber quarterback minus Jay Cutler, who the Cutler year, the Bears completely, the Cutler era, the Bears failed that as well. But hey, listen, we've talked enough about the monsters of the midway on this podcast. It would be a disservice for us to not discuss what the hell's going on in Green Bay because the Packers were back today. 
OTAs were going on. The Bears, like I said a couple moments ago, kick off next week. But the big storyline was Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. But the even bigger storyline was no Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Devin Funches, and Equinemius St. Brown. And so Jordan Love was working with a whole bunch of training camp bodies. When you look at that, I mean, Shefty from ESPN tweeted this. This is Green Bay's top five wide receivers but what's even more interesting is you know how good Devonte adams is but your compliment to Devonte adams emerged and that's aj's guy alan lazard who absolutely torched aj in high school by the way but then <laughs> mbs and equinemius st brown those guys weren't there and then devin funches a guy who hasn't played football in almost two years at this point dude aj what's going on in green bay yo like my dad is probably asking the same question he is a Huge Green Bay fan. Um, like he he was asking me, he was texting texting me earlier today that like Aaron Rodgers is on the media and he's speaking to the media on NFL Network, and I'm just in shock right now that like he's he's come out and he's said about all this and the situation that he's going in about Green Bay that they're they're handling it poorly. I guess like I, I haven't had it. I just read a couple of sentences that like you know things are not going the way that I wanted to and stuff. I mean. I guess, I mean, I guess you can fill me in more on that, but like, you know, it, like, I don't know. I mean, I just think like, this is one big giant smoke screen, to be honest. Like, I just think that like the Packers are messing with us. I just think that like, I think right before preseason or preseason week two, they're going to come to an agreement with Aaron Rodgers. Like, or like if, if God's willing, he's going to get traded out of, out of Green Bay. I just don't see it. Like, like this can't be real if it is real. Like, it just doesn't seem real to me. Like, I like your guys' thought, thoughts on it, though. Like, what do you what do you think, Christian? I mean, I, I think it's real to some extent because it's kind of been building for a few years. Right? You saw last year, after the NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers was a little bit upset at what happened, and then, you know, he wanted a better offseason the next year. And obviously, they did have a better offseason, but they had the same results. The next year, they still fell short in the NFC Championship game, and... I think, um, I don't know if you saw the interview yesterday. Did you see the interview with some guy on ESPN? I forgot his name, but Aaron Rodgers kind of talked about how his um, main gripe with the Packers is kind of with the management, with mm-hmm. Murphy, with those guys. Um, he likes his, you know, he likes his coach. He likes his teammates. He likes everything about Green Bay. But I think it was kind of talking about how he feels like he's not being as respected in Green Bay, which I don't know how true that is. You know, obviously, we're hoping that's the case because we're Bears fans. We want this thing to go downhill. But, yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough to see Aaron Rodgers leaving this year just because trading him would mean, you know, the Packers don't really have a good option at quarterback this year because they're saying that Jordan Love is not ready for this year. And they obviously signed Blake Bortles, but what is Blake Bortles going to do for you? He's not going to do anything. So I think they would prefer to keep him for another year. But I feel like this is probably going to be his last year in Green Bay if he does stay because, you know, I don't think things are well in Green Bay, at least according to what I've seen. It's a really, really messy situation. But one thing that's so interesting is this, is that Brian Gutenkiss, the general manager, was actually a scout for the Green Bay Packers back in 2005 when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. And the... Head dog in Green Bay, Mark Murphy, the president, he's actually got ties with Northwestern because he's a guy that actually had a say in 
drafting, or I'm sorry, not drafting Pat Fitzgerald, but naming Pat Fitzgerald as the school's next athletic director. I ultimately think it's such a messy situation because with Gutenkiss, what you kind of did your first offseason as one of your final moves was you sign Aaron Rodgers to that extension. But then just two years later, you went ahead and you drafted Jordan Love, and you could make the argument that Matt LaFleur is going to be in Green Bay for probably the next decade at this point because he's lost, what, six games over his first two seasons. Matt LaFleur has really overachieved. Now, part of it is because he does have a Hall of Fame quarterback, which not a lot of first-year head coaches walk into or even new head coaches. But I think what's going to happen is this is that if there's silence come June, there's silence come July, and then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers reports to training camp that last week of July, and then August, then you know, okay, it was all just talk and rumors and chatter. But if he's not at training camp, there's going to be some legitimate consideration about something is really brewing here and where does he get traded to because everything that's coming out of Green Bay right now is not good. But then you also have the Denver media saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers could possibly be a quarterback for the Broncos in 2021. And the GM, George Patton, who used to be in the Vikings front office, has actually seen Aaron Rodgers up front and up close. And Patton knows that despite trading for Teddy Bridgewater, which, by the way, the only reason Denver traded for Teddy Bridgewater is because Patton was in the Vikings front office back in 2014. But then Patton's also seen Rodgers up front, like I mentioned a moment ago. It's something that's so fishy that's brewing here. And something just does not seem right. Because Aaron Rodgers, if your biggest gripe is with the management, you're basically saying my biggest gripe is with my bosses and the people that are making the decisions. And Jordan Love was not a Mark Murphy pick. It was a Brian Gutenkiss pick. But still, you have to be pretty pissed off that you pissed off your franchise quarterback. If you're Mark Murphy. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, if, if anyone is in a Rodgers right now, right? I mean, you're on that five-year, $125 million deal. Everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, you're you're at home and you see the NFL draft. And just last year, you drafted a quarterback that just could be. I mean, it doesn't matter if he is or not. He could be gunning for your spot for the future. That That's a threat to a professional quarterback. If a team drafts a quarterback and they're thinking in terms of like, oh, if if Rodgers in three years retires, we could turn this into a Brett Favre situation and the Green Bay Packers will only have three quarterbacks in 40 years. I mean, like, you, well, four quarterbacks in 60 years if you count Bart Starr, right? So, I mean, like that. That tradition, that history would just be insane that they hit on every quarterback because that's how they're mentally playing it. Like they hit on they hit on Brett Favre, they hit on Aaron Rodgers. They're gonna if if Rodgers just takes whatever the front office is giving them, then they'll hit on Jordan Love. But right now, Ryan Rodgers is like, yo, just trade me, and how about you guys just start Love right now because you guys just don't care about me. Plain and simple. Like he's looking out for his interests, and I kind of respect the shit out of that for Aaron Rodgers. Like if he goes to Denver. And he wins an AFC championship, he's going to the Super Bowl. And that's what he always wants to do. He just wants to go win a Super Bowl. And it's not about the teammates. It's not about Matt LaFleur. It's about the guy that is the president of the entire organization. It's Mark Murphy. It's nobody else. Like, if Mark Murphy or just like you said, mentioned, if that person, I can't, I can't say his name right, Gunkast, I guess, dra- never drafted Jordan Love, this would have never happened. But thank God that they did, because now we get to see this drama unfold like it's never unfolded before. Like, this is something that 
is a professional matter because, like I mentioned, quarterback quarterback controversy, and it's also a really good fan banter battle too because you're arguing with fans and all that, saying that oh, this credible report is not credible. Like, oh, that uncredible report is credible. So let's just see what happens. I mean, uh, crazy, crazy, crazy times up in there in Green Bay. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch as a Bears fan because right after getting our quarterback right, Justin Fields, all this is happening too at the same time. Like you could you can honestly not ask for a better offseason as a Bears fan. Just seeing Packers fans this mad, this upset, and yeah. a lot of them also saying that Adam Schefter is not even a real reporter anymore. Like they're they're super mad at what's happening. And like I mean, like you guys said, I don't know if it's actually gonna turn into anything if Aaron Rodgers will actually leave, but it's definitely gonna be something to watch this upcoming season because I don't think it's going to be in Green Bay long-term anymore. I mean, Jordan Love is still on the roster, and at some point you have to put Jordan Love in there, right? I mean, otherwise, you're just saying you pretty much wasted that pick. So I think it's, uh, yeah, not good times in uh, Green Bay right now. Definitely not good times, but what we do hope is that you all had a good time spending an hour with us this week. Listen, we're going to get out of here. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Fireside Bears. Follow Rashab on Twitter at DWC Prods. That's P R O D Z. Check out his YouTube channel because he posts all sorts of hype videos. Fun fact I actually screenshotted something from your Jalen Ramsey video and then or i think it was the darnell mooney hype video one of the two and i sent it to the folks at audacia sports and i was like hey can we get a sticker made out of this so they actually really love the idea i'll have to give you credit on that but hey listen follow aj on twitter at aj decide for follow me on twitter instagram youtube facebook and tiktok at usaid koshal aj have a safe flight to london we will see you june 26th but for now guys we have a temporary replacement for AJ. Max is going to be taking over. You can follow him on Twitter at MaxSmithESM. That's Max with two X's. We'll catch you all next week when hopefully Sam is back too. But bear down, guys. No pack, no. And we will catch you guys next week. Have a great rest of your week.